A reading from the Gospel according to Mark, the tenth chapter, beginning with the first verse. Jesus left that place and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds again gathered around him, and as his custom was, he taught them. Some Pharisees came, and to test him they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, Why did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, He wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're back to that kid again, aren't we? The half-human. We're back to Jesus sitting and teaching, and I wonder what was it Jesus was teaching that prompted them to ask him about this matter of divorce. I have no idea what it could have been, but I bet it was something about loving your neighbor in some way that they found offensive, or mercy in some way that they found offensive. And it brings to mind a condition that human beings struggle with. Hardness of heart. There's a traditional saying, if you live in a graveyard too long, you stop crying when someone dies. Any of you ever heard that? It's said as a traditional saying. Who knows, right? We just all said it. Y'all want to say it with me, then it'll be our saying? No? (laughs) Listen to it again. If you live in a graveyard too long, you stop crying when someone dies. That's a word about our heart getting hard, right? We become calloused. I titled the sermon today, The Necessity of Softeners. Because I got to thinking about Jesus twisting their question. Saying, well, of course Moses allowed it. He allows it because you're a bunch of idiots. Kind of. Paraphrasing. 
He allowed it because your hearts are hard. And I thought, wow, there's all kind of softeners in the world. Did you know that, Sarah? If you Google types of softeners, you will find a wiki article. Y'all know what a wiki article is? Work with me. Just say, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read you the list of softeners I found, okay? Now, if, if you, you might know what some of these are, and you might not. There's, there's five of them. The first one, stool softeners. If you're over 25, you know what that one is. If you're a kid and you ate too much candy, you know what that one is. One of the best sayings I ever heard at my house was, too much sugar equals too much poop. <laughs> Stool softener is a necessity in life sometimes. Am I right? We need it. Water softener. If you live around here, you're like me. you got a big blue circle in your sink at home. You can't wash your car in the driveway without etching your windows. Water softeners have little resin beads in them that attract the minerals out of the water. Fabric softeners, any fans of fabric softeners in the house today? I can't wear a shirt that hasn't been through a fabric softener. I hate for my shirt to touch me. If the shirt is prickly, can you imagine wearing a prickly shirt with no fabric softener in a 99 degree day in August in South Carolina when the humidity is 112%? Anybody want to do away with the invention of fabric softener? Fabric softeners are a good thing. Did you know there are food softeners? We call them blenders, right? They sell these little cans of stuff called baby food. Y'all ever seen those? Little Gerber got a little cute little baby on it. Looks like, looks like Faith a little bit. Cute little baby. My brother and I decided, man, there's no point in paying that much for this Gerber baby food. And we just put some carrots in a blender for my nephew and blended them up. You should have seen the face he made. He looked like he was eating stool softener. <laughs> food softeners are important in the world. There are some people who can't eat food that hasn't been strained even. Some people depend on food softeners for just to stay alive. Plastic softeners, you ever heard of those? Remember Silly Putty? That was softened plastic. Somebody invented that so we would all have to go buy a new carpet. <laughs> Silly Putty came out with shag carpet. The devil was in that, I'm pretty certain. But you take that Silly Putty, smash it out, and you could lift the Sunday comic off and then look at it in reverse. And I don't know why that was funny, but it was. But we bought Silly Putty and brought, brought this chemical in our house. And today Jesus would ask us, Hey, any chance you need a heart softener? I mean, listen, as bad as being constipated can be, if you've ever had a four-day horrible case of constipation, it's nothing compared to the hell that you can wreak in the world with a hard heart. The damage that can be done with a hard heart is worse than anything else in the world. Hatred comes from a hard heart. Murder comes from a hard heart. All of the things that we loathe about the world come from hard hearts. From people being unwilling to see other people with mercy. They've lived in a graveyard too long and they've stopped crying when people die. 
They've gotten to the point where they can look at people and not care about their circumstance as long as they've got theirs. As long as there's food on their table, they don't care about hungry people. As long as their bank account is full, they don't care about people who are poor or struggling because their hearts are hard. They've turned a blind eye. That's what Jesus is talking about when He's talking to these people about divorce. Because back then, a man could just decide he didn't want his wife anymore and throw her out. Write her a little dismissal slip and put a signature on it and turn her out into nothingness. Because she had no way to support herself. She had no way to provide for herself. And if the husband put her away, it was just over for her. And Jesus says, Moses allowed that because our hearts are hard. Moses allowed divorce because our hearts are hard. I bet there isn't a single person in this room today whose life hasn't been affected by a divorce somehow and couldn't attest to the fact that it creates pain beyond measure. There's that horrible joke about two women sitting and eating lunch one day and the woman went to see her friend because she had just gone through a horrible divorce and her friend was telling her how much she owed the attorney and the woman said, well, why are they so expensive? And her friend said, because it was worth it. I heard that as a true story, not a joke, but I think it's the joke. Think about what that says about our world when we just accept that 60% of marriages will end in divorce before the first five years. And we say that's just part of life. But it's not. It's part of hard-heartedness. It's contrary to what God has created us to be. God has created us to love mercy and to show mercy to the vulnerable, to the hurting in the world, to people who suffer and are ostracized, to people who are looked down on and judged and demonized, to be the mirror image of God's heart to those people. But if we live in a graveyard too long, we stop crying. If we allow our hearts to be hard for too long, we stop crying even about our own death. Any chance your heart is hard? Is there any chance that there's some hardness in you or me? Is there any chance that there's some person you would refuse a cup of water to? Any chance there's some person you would refuse a place at your dinner table? Who are we unwilling to allow in our lives? Hard-heartedness is the worst form of cancer. It will eat us alive and distort our very being. It turns us inside out to where we can only see ourselves and what we want. I decided to look up hard-heartedness to make sure I understood it. What does it mean to be hard of heart? What do English-speaking people mean by that? The Merriam-Webster Dictionary said it's lacking in sympathetic understanding. Not even being willing to understand what another person's going through. 
is a hardness of heart. Being unfeeling and pitiless. Here are some synonyms for hard-heartedness. Callous, compassionless, desensitized, heartless, inhuman, inhumane, insensitive, merciless, obdurate, pitiless, remorseless, ruthless, soulless, uncharitable, unfeeling, unmerciful, unsparing, unsympathetic. God forbid that any of those would describe us. But there's always the danger of becoming hard-hearted when we put our place in the, ourselves in the position of God to judge and condemn. Prophet Hosea took that question up when he said that God said, I desire in mercy, not sacrifice. Acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. God desires mercy above anything else that we could offer to God. Above anything else that we could offer to God, God desires that we be merciful. Jesus quoted that when he told some religious leaders, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then about himself he said, I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Mercy. When you think about our life together, does our life together point to God's mercy for other people? Do we have mercy on people around us? Is there mercy in your life for someone who's hurt you? Someone you disagree with? Someone whose lifestyle is not what you would choose? It's a hard question, isn't it? Because ultimately, I think at some point we might have to say that there have been times when our hearts have been hard when we've expected too much of the people who love us, when we've been unwilling to forgive when they disappoint us. Good news is Jesus has come to call even the heart of heart. And the promise that He offers us is a new life and a new heart. That's why Paul said to us that if any of us is in Christ, we are a new creation. Everything is being made new, including our heart, the core of us, that place in us where all of our emotions and all of our affections originate. Jesus is making that new. In just a few moments, we'll read His words when He lifted the cup and said, This is My cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. The blood of the new covenant, He said, it's Mine. A new covenant He makes with us today around this table. A table of a covenant of newness. And especially newness of heart. Jesus 
Jesus is quoting from the prophet Ezekiel. Talking about the new covenant that the prophet foresaw when he said, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all of your filthiness and from all of your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put in you and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Dear ones, God's promise today as we come to Christ's table is that He will give us a heart softener. But will he find faith in this room? Will he find people who are willing to believe that Christ can change even our hearts? Is there any chance that in me there is a hardness of heart? Is there any hardness in your heart? I offer you this promise today. If you come to this table in faith, believing that you receive the risen Christ, you will receive a heart softener that can change you. In Romans 5, 5, Paul tells us that God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. When you come to the table today, come examining your heart. Come expecting to be healed. And to be sent forth in the world to be merciful. Amen. We'll be